with so many sources of information. Uh, we need wisdom to discern uh, what's, what's from God and what isn't from God. And uh, I wanna talk to you today about wisdom, how to get it, how to maintain it, um, how to embrace it, and how to see it increase the longevity of your life. And uh, the Bible says wisdom, wisdom comes with uh, riches and honor. How many say, yeah, I'll take some of that. Nobody, nobody wants, a bunch of humble people in the room today, nobody wants riches and honor. Anybody in the room say, man, I'll take some riches. Okay, I'll take yours. If you don't want it, I'll, I'll take yours. That's cool. First Kings chapter three. First Kings chapter three. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start reading. This iPad's driving me crazy today. It just keeps bouncing around. First Kings chapter three. I'm gonna start in verse four. The Bible says, the king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. What an amazing statement. And Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You've continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne to this very day. Now, Lord, my God, you've made your servant king in place of my father, David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Solomon was not a child. He's just speaking to his knowledge on the subject of being king as far as knowing what to do and carry out these duties. He's just a kid. Most scholars believe he was around the age of 18 to 20 when he took over. Verse 8 says, your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart, a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked this, so God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth or for yourself, you haven't asked for the death of your enemies. Wow. Anybody ever asked that? <laughs> That's guilty laughter. <laughs> yeah, a couple times. <laughs> You haven't even asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice. He said, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never be anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for. This is a powerful thing. If we'll ask God for the right things, we'll get all of the things that we didn't even ask God for. That's why Jesus said in Matthew, he said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and then all this stuff, the stuff that you don't have to waste your time asking for, I'll take care of it and I'll get it for you. And so many people in this room right now are chasing down things that God wants to chase down for you. So he said, I'll give you what you didn't ask for both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. 
And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. And Solomon awoke and he had realized it had been a dream. So Father in Jesus' name, we thank you today for your wisdom. We need your wisdom. We need your understanding. Help us. Help us. Help us, please. We need you. We need to hear, thus says the Lord. We need to hear the word of the Lord. With so many voices and so much information, help us to see through all of it. Help us to discern the times that we are living in, the days that we are living in, so that we can know what to do. In Jesus' name, I pray, and everyone said, Amen. Second Chronicles tells this same story, and in Second Chronicles 1 and 10, uh, unlike First Kings chapter 3, he, it's worded differently. He says in First Kings, he says, give me a, a discerning heart. In Second Chronicles chapter 1 and verse 10, he says, give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? You really don't start stepping into answers from heaven until you act like you don't have all the answers. You don't, the teacher isn't revealed until you submit yourself like a student. And so there's so much that God has for us, but he's waiting for us to, like Solomon, say, God, I'm just a little kid when it comes to all of this. And I think in the day we live in, the thing that's keeping us from real wisdom is pride. It's this sense that we have all the answers. We know everything that's going on. I've read this and I've read that and I know exactly what's happening right now. I think more of us need to come to God and say, God, we are just little kids in a situation that is way above us. We need wisdom that is from heaven. Can somebody in the room say amen? amen. I need heaven's wisdom. In 1 Kings 3 and 13, I love what God says. Moreover, he says, I will give you what you did not request both riches and honor, so that during all your days, no man in any kingdom will be your equal. Proverbs 3, 13 through 17 is a very powerful portion of scripture on wisdom. It says, blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. If you read the scripture, the right hand is always the priority. The right hand is always the priority. The left hand is secondary. The right hand of, of wisdom carries with her what? Long life. Because what is it? what good is it to have a lot of riches and honor if I don't have a long life so the priority is long life. And in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant. All her paths are peace. Man, I could use a whole lot more peace in my life. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold fast will be blessed. One translation says those who embrace her will be blessed. First of all, wisdom is not 
just knowing what to do. Wisdom is knowing when to do it. Wisdom is not knowing just what to say. Wisdom is knowing how to say it. Wisdom is, is knowledge accurately applied. Wisdom is a God-centeredness that shapes every part of your life. Have you ever said the right thing at the wrong time? You're like, yeah, Rob, it's called marriage. I do it constantly. <laughs> Say the right thing at the wrong time or do the right thing at the wrong time. The Bible teaches there's a season for every. Thing. And if we don't have wisdom, we won't recognize the season. We'll, we'll be trying to plant when it's harvest time. You know what I'm saying? And so we have to have the wisdom to recognize not just what to do, but when to do it. Not just what to say, but how to say it. Proverbs 9 and 10 says, instruct a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will increase his learning. And the reason I want to talk to you about this today is because as a pastor, my desire for you is that you would experience God's best for your life. Experience God's best for your life. And to experience God's best for your life, you need more than morality. To experience God's best for your life, you need more than holiness. To experience God's best for your life, it requires wisdom because you can be moral and miserable. You can be holy and feel helpless. You can tithe and be broke. Not because tithing doesn't work, it's because you're ignorant with the 90% God lets you keep. And so many of us are blaming God because we're moral and we expect a certain result. We think our morality is supposed to manipulate scripture in our favor. You don't just need good morals, you need wisdom. You don't need to live just right, you need to live wise. Can somebody in the room say, amen. I met a lot of righteous, stupid people. <laughs> and there's a difference between the world's wisdom and God's wisdom. I'm not, I'm not, if you're going to take control of your life back, you, I'm not talking just about book smarts. You need more than book smarts. And I, I'm not talking about willpower. You need more than willpower. You need wisdom. Wisdom is, is, is truly foresight, insight, and oversight. It's foresight. We're going to talk about what those are in a moment. But wisdom is foresight, insight, and oversight. And wisdom is not just about what you learn, but who you learn it from. The source of wisdom, the source that I need, is God. James chapter 1 and verse 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Wow. Who gives it generously. And he gives it without reproach, and it will be given him. I love this because... Without reproach means that God isn't looking for fault. So, so if a person comes to God and asks for wisdom, God's not going to look at him and say, well, you know, let's talk about this and let's get this right and let's do this. and let's. God isn't going to distribute wisdom based on your, your faults. 
Is anybody in the room grateful that God, when he distributes wisdom, he's not looking at your faults and your problems and your issues and your weaknesses? He's like, well, you know, I can only give so much. No, the Bible says he gives it generously, and he's not looking for faults. He just wants, whoever wants his wisdom, God is like, I want to give you my wisdom. I love that idea, that, that mentality that God is just like, he just wants to give it to me. If I'll ask, he, he will give it to me. Here's the problem that we find not only in our lives, but even in the life of Solomon. The wisest man in the world ended up being the most unwise man in the world. Moses, the most patient man to ever live, ended up being the most impatient. It, it's an amazing thing that our strength can become our weakness if we lose our focus. And... and this is what happens to us, happens to Solomon. When, you, when we use God's word as a way to manipulate the results, we get into error. But when we use his word as a way to know him, we become wise. Remember, Proverbs 3 says, her ways are pleasant, speaking of wisdom, her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to who? to those who take hold of her, to those who embrace her. And here's, here's the issue that we find with ourselves and even with Solomon, is that the Bible says, long life is in her right hand, riches and honor are in her left hand. Here's our issue. We start to seek what's in wisdom's hand instead of wisdom's embrace. And when you start to seek what's in wisdom's hand, you get into error. When you start, when your focus becomes longevity, you get into error. When your focus becomes riches and honor, you get into error. And your life gets off track because you, you stopped embracing wisdom and now you've stepped away from wisdom and you're trying to grab what's in wisdom's hand. You want, what, you want the results of wisdom without a relationship with wisdom. You want what God can give you without a relationship with God. So you come to church because you hope it'll make you more wealthy. You come to church because you hope it'll make you feel better. You, hope, you come to church because you hope it'll make you feel less bad about your sin. And you don't come to church because of a relationship with God. And when you try to get what God has in his hands without embracing him, you miss. You miss the point of it all. The point is not what's in his hands. The point is the embrace. The point is the relationship. And when you get the embrace... If you, if, you, if you see my hands and, and you picture my hands going around Monica in a nice embrace, just totally chill right now. I'm not trying to do anything weird. Just a, just a nice embrace, okay? You see that, that I have her, and as I hold her, I have her with my left and my right hand. My eyes aren't focused on her hands. My eyes are focused on the embrace. And so many people are missing it right now because your eyes are focused on what's in wisdom's hands and not what's in wisdom's embrace. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 4, and then it jumps jump to verse 11. It says, Solomon grew old and his, uh, his wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God. You know, 
God gave Solomon wisdom, and Solomon's wisdom attracted the ladies. I heard a friend say one time, he said, he said, you know, he said that, that, that people are not always attracted to you, they're attracted to the God inside of you. And, and God gave Solomon wisdom, and this wisdom was attractive, so attractive that a queen came to see him in the name of Sheba and said that he had a kingdom unlike anything she had ever seen in her lifetime. Solomon attracted the ladies with his wisdom, so much so, the Bible says Solomon had 700 wives. Hold up. 700? That's more than one for every day of the week. It's two years worth of wives. The Bible says he was the wisest man ever. No, no, no. I would look at this and say, no, this is the stupidest man <laughs> to ever live. 700 wives. This is what happens when wisdom becomes about you. James says, you have not because you ask not. And when you do ask, you ask amiss. Because your desire is to spend whatever I give you, use whatever I give you for you. Solomon got it twisted. He started to use the wisdom God had given him to his own benefit. And it got twisted. And now he's using what God has given him to fill his life up with Wives? That didn't even count the 300 concubines. And so the Bible says that God comes to Solomon. And in verse 11 of 1 Kings chapter, or yeah, verse 11 of 1 Kings 11, he says, the Lord said to Solomon, since this is your attitude, you have not kept my covenant and my decrees which I commanded you. I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Here's, here's why we need wisdom. Wisdom will teach us how to maintain what we have been given because of our righteousness. See, it's wise to live right, but, but wisdom doesn't stop there. When you live right, there are going to be certain things that happen to you by default. But if you're not careful and you don't maintain wisdom, you'll lose what you got as a gift because you were careless with the gift. 
God says, I'm gonna give you the ability to lead these people, but you're gonna lose the ability to lead these people because you stopped leading yourself. That's what happened. He started to embrace what wisdom gave him instead of wisdom. And he lost the fear where he began. He lost the fear. This is where he started. He started in the fear of the Lord. God, I'm just a child. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm lost without you. He lost that. Revelation says, it says, it says, I've got this against you. You left your first love. You're still doing all of this activity. You're still serving. You're still giving. You're still doing all of these things for me, but you left me. You missed the point. You, you've left the embrace. And you've, you've started to embrace the things that the embrace gave you. And this is what I don't want for you because for some of you, as soon as you start, this is, this is what happens to people. People get, they, they get into church. I see this all the time. People get into church. And here at Calvary, we get a lot of people who have, who have come from like really bad church situations or people who are giving church another try. And what happens is they start coming back to church. They start doing what's right. And then they start to see the blessing of right living. And then they start to, instead of at the beginning when they just wrapped their arms around God and they were just at every service, they were at every prayer meeting, they, they were wanting to know how to know God more and love God more. Now that they're getting stuff, you, you start to see, men, they don't come to church as much as they used to come to church. They, they stop serving as much because they got what they wanted from the embrace. And God help us not to be a people who gets what we want from the embrace and then says, adios, God, I'll catch you when I need something. No, I want wisdom. I want the embrace more than I want what's in his hands. I want him. And I, 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 I don't want to leave the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is not, oh, it's not a phobia. What are you afraid of? God and spiders. <laughs> it's not like that. <laughs> what are you afraid of? Snakes and God. It's not a phobia. The fear of God is a reverence and awe, a respect. It's a God, I'm just a kid. I don't know what I'm doing. I need you to breathe air out of my lungs. My body doesn't even know how to function without you. My heart beats because of you. That's the fear of the Lord. It's not phobia, it's a reverence, it's a respect. The fear of the Lord doesn't make me afraid. The fear of the Lord removes my fear. The fear of the Lord doesn't give me anxiety. The fear of the Lord gives me peace. The Bible says in Psalm 34 and 7, it says the fear of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who... Fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm not supposed to be afraid of God as in cower. No, it says fear God. Taste and see he's good. Oh, man. Wow. Oh, the, he, says, he says, oh, the joys of them who take refuge in him. When I fear God, I, I, I see goodness. I see joy. See, there's a lot of people who believe in God, but they don't respect God. 
there's a difference, even with your kids, there's a difference between them being respectful and full of respect. It's a difference. So for, for some children, they're able to show respect to their parent. They're gonna talk back, but they're not full of respect for their parent. And there are a lot of people who are, who, who, who are respectful because they're, they've got the wrong type of fear. It's like, if I don't do the right thing, God's going to zap me. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 Robbie, you don't understand. God's zapping me right now. No, 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 I'm sorry. No, no, water is wet, fire is hot. It's not God zapping you. Those are the consequences of the decision <laughs> you made. God's judging me. No, those are the res- that's the result of the decision you made. Hey, water's wet. The stove is hot. Your kid touches the stove. You're judging me, Dad. I'm not judging you. I told you it was hot. You touched it. It burnt you. Uh, the Bible teaches us that, that, that there is no fear in love because perfect love casts out all fear. If there's any fear, he says, it's because you're still afraid of judgment. If you're a child of God, you don't have to worry about judgment. And if, if, you're, if you're respectful of God, but you, you're not full of respect for God. Oh, man, there's a difference. I, I, I can respect my parents and not respect my parents. Come on, somebody. I can do all the things my parents tell me to do, but not be full of honor and respect for those parents. And that's what I, that's what I want you to get away from. I don't want you to just be respectful of God. No running in church. You remember growing up? You used to take off running in church. Some elder deacon slap you upside the head. No running in church. This is just my experience. <laughs> I'd be like, Dad, Dad. He'd be like, son, told you, no running in church. That's just the way it goes. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. See, right, so we, we grow up knowing all the things we're not supposed to do. I, I still have this, like, I still refuse to spit in the church parking lot. Like, I just won't do it. I don't know what it is, it just is like, it's just like, oh, if I spit, what is that? So weird. But it, it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's not that just no running in church. It's that I, I love God. I honor God. I, I, I've, I've tasted and seen that he is good. He's brought joy to my heart and to my life. He has given me peace and he's had compassion on me. He has not judged me according to my sins, but he is, he's given me mercy and he's given me grace. And it's not just don't run. No, I, I respect God. Respect God. Respect God. I think God would rather you be full of respect than not run in church. Some of you need to run in church. You need to get set free from those religious requirements that aren't even in the Bible. No running in church? Where's that? Let the kids run. Unless they fall and bust their head, then that's your fault. 
You should have stopped them. Some of y'all's kids, they just have big heads and they just, when they can't stay on their feet, they just run and when they try to stop, their head just keeps going forward. <laughs> there are a lot of people who don't respect God because they don't take his word seriously and they don't take his word holistically. They pick and choose what they want to see, to believe, to incorporate in their life. Like, I like this about God, but I'm not that big of a fan, but I like this. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to manipulate the results. And they don't, you don't, it's, it's not respectful and it's not full of respect to, to take from God what you want and give him the, cold shoulder in the areas that you don't want to hear him on. You can believe in God and misrepresent God. Moses did it. That's why Moses wasn't able to enter into the promised land. He got angry and he hit the rock and God comes to him and he says, hey, listen, you misrepresented me before the people. I was trying to show the people my kindness. I was trying to get them water from this rock. All I wanted you to do was speak to it and I wanted it to be an example of faith about how you can just say to the mountain. You don't have to hit the mountain. Speak to the mountain and this mountain will be moved. I wanted them to see faith, not works. I wanted... So he hit the rock and God says, now you misrepresented me before the people. You, you discounted who I was. You presented a version of me that wasn't the fullness of what I was trying to present. You misrepresented me. You can, you can misunderstand God. Even like your kids misunderstand you very often. You, I'm like, guys, my, these rules are not because I want to control your life. I, I'm just trying to protect you. To them, it feels like control. My parents are trying to control me. You're like, no, I'm trying to protect you. And if you misunderstand God, you'll see God as controlling, not as protective. And when you do something wrong or you go through a difficulty, you'll be like, oh, I've made a mistake. I can't call dad. But if you see God correctly, you're like, oh, man, I blew it. I need to call my dad. And so many people are not calling dad because they just misunderstand it. And I don't blame you and don't feel bad because that's the... That's the perception you have of God. You, you, you believe that because you were taught that. You don't believe that because that's your experience. You believe that because somebody told you that. It's not how God operates. See, for some people in the room, there are some truths that they just haven't been exposed to yet. And for some of you coming to Calvary, you've, you've heard things and been taught things and you're like, man, I didn't hear it that way or I was told something else my whole life. But when you talked about that, that brought freedom to my life. I was living in bondage and freedom came to my life. Some people just, there's, there's truth that they haven't been exposed to yet. But for many of us, it's, it's not that we haven't been exposed to the truth. We just despise it. Proverbs 1 and 7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. 
but fools despise wisdom and instruction. When you fear the Lord, what you do is you replace all inferior fears with a superior fear. For instance, obeying God is like this. Obeying God is like, I'm not obeying God because I'm afraid of what he will do if I don't. I obey God because I'm afraid of the results of disobedience. And some people have the wrong mindset. They're like, I'm I'm gonna do what God says because God's gonna, God'll kill me, God'll take me out, God'll zap me. No, 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 that's not not what you should be afraid of. You You should be more afraid of the results of not obeying God. When God says, this is my way, he's not saying, this is my way as a suggestion. He's not saying, this is my way, I think it would be better. Whenever God says, this is my way, it's because he has a better answer for your problem. He has a better solution for your issue. He has a better way. How many of you in the room would throw your hands up in the air and say, God's way, I found out throughout my life, it's just better than my way. I never get to the end of doing it God's way and say, why did I do it God's way? I'm not going to get to the end of my life and go, man, I wish I would have listened to me and God less. Me more, God less. No, my cry is less of me, more of him. The less I listen to me, the more prosperous my life becomes in every aspect. In every aspect. Why is this important? The enemy, listen, listen, please listen to me today. The enemy does not just attack you in the area of moral weakness. He attacks you in the areas of ignorance. In Genesis, the Bible says that Eve is having a conversation with Satan. But she doesn't know it's Satan. She's not been to a class on the devil. She's never encountered anything like this in her life. She doesn't have a background or a history. She doesn't have a Bible to go to and say, oh, 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 this is what the devil does. This is what the devil looks like. This is how I can recognize it's the enemy. No, she's talking to Satan and doesn't even know it. The Bible teaches that he even masquerades as an angel of light. So wisdom is important because wisdom doesn't just help you recognize what's being said, but who's saying it? You need discernment because you don't need to just see what's being said. You need to see who is saying it. Because what the devil does more than than just straight up lie to you is he manipulates you with the truth. It's what he did to Jesus when he was tempting Jesus. He was offering him all of these things that were truths. Jesus said, I don't live by that. That's a half truth. That's not the whole story. I know who this is coming from, so, so whatever's coming out of, your, out of your mouth is for deceitful purposes. You can even be telling me the truth, but you're using the truth to manipulate me. Somebody needs to recognize that there are people in your life that are using the truth to manipulate you and control you. Woo. And watch what happens today. The Bible says that that day that Adam and Eve were deceived, it says that that they began to die. Here's, here's the tough part about, about lies. They don't always take your life immediately. Most of the time they take your life slowly. They didn't die that day. 
they died over time. So I need the wisdom to recognize I'm living a lie. I believed a lie. I need the truth. The only way to get out of the lie is the truth. The truth will set you free. I need to embrace wisdom. Proverbs 18 and 2 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Man, I've seen a lot of fools over the past 20 months. A lot of opinions. No pleasure in listening, learning, just in telling you my opinion. Wisdom is important because you need to understand what to do with what you hear. You need to understand the timing of what you hear because not everything you hear needs to be said when you hear it. Some things God speaks to you and they, they're deposited into you like a seed. And when God speaks it to you, your mind becomes a womb. Your mind becomes a place where that thought is developed. Your mind is like a, a womb for your thoughts and your mouth is how they are born. And you've got to be very cautious about what you are birthing with your mouth because the Bible speaks and tells us that the power of life and death are in the tongue. You have to let thoughts develop in your mind before you speak them or they will be premature. I never preach something the first time I hear it. The first time God shows it to me, I never preach it the first time God shows it to me. Very rarely do I preach it the second time God shows it to me. I've got a, I've got a notebook full of messages I've never preached, probably 30 of them. I've got files full of messages that I've written that I've never preached because I heard it once, not twice. If I haven't heard, if I haven't heard confirmation, the Bible says, let, let, let every word be established out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. Just because God spoke, see, I have to stop putting what I think God said to me on the same level as what God said in his word. I have to make sure that what I'm hearing is confirmed by his word and confirmed by people who understand his word. So I have to let these thoughts develop before I speak them or they'll be premature or not fully developed. And how do I develop my thoughts? Listening to where my, my thoughts are not just opinions. God doesn't give a rip about our opinion. Well, let me tell you what I think. God could care less what you think. And most people could too. What the world needs now is a word from heaven 
that has entered into the womb of our heart and our mind. It's been developed through the fire of God's word, through the fire of God's spirit. It's been developed through time. It's been developed by confirmation. It's been, been developed by spiritual leaders speaking and seeing and saying the same thing. If anybody comes to you and says, man, I know that thousands of years of church history and scholars all agree on this, but let me tell you what God is saying to me. I know that for thousands of years, this word in the Bible has been defined this way, but let me tell you how I define it. No, 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 no. If, if, if your truth shifts like the sand, you don't have truth. If your truth is about 20 years old, it's not true. If your truth just came along this century, it's not true. I don't want a truth that has stood the test of the past 20 years. I want a truth that stood the test of time. I want a truth that when the flower fades and the earth fades, that his truth remains forever. I want a word from God. I don't want man's opinion. Help us, Lord. Fools don't like instruction. Doesn't say fools aren't instructed. Fools don't like instruction. The fool gets exposed to the truth, but refuses to put it into practice. Don't let that be said of you. Heard somebody say one time that in, the, in America, in the American church, we are educated well beyond the level of our obedience. We keep running around like, I need a new word. No, you ain't done anything with the word you heard last week. You don't need a new word. You need to keep listening to that old word. <laughs> Pastor told me one time, he said, I preached the same message for six weeks. And on the sixth week, he said, revival broke out in my church. I was like, you can't preach the same message for six weeks and people keep coming back. He said attendance grew every week until we broke out in revival. I kept saying the same thing because people, sometimes they don't get it the first time. Sometimes they don't get it the second time. Sometimes they don't get it the third time. The fool gets exposed to the truth but refuses to practice it. Matthew 7, 24 through 27 says, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew, and they beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. The wise and the fool both hear, but only one puts it into practice. Both houses look the same until there's a storm. You know what the past 20 months have revealed? Who was building their life on the sand and who was building it on the rock? Because when the storm comes, you can have the same looking house, 
But if you didn't build on the rock, that house is not going to be there. You can have all the things that make you look like you've got your life together and you look like you are obeying God and you look like you're putting it into practice. But if you're not building on the rock, the storm will reveal the source of your foundation. And how many of you in this room would say, man, I've built too many things on the sand in my life. I want to build my life on the rock that is Jesus. Embrace wisdom. Truth doesn't change because of my feelings. Many people's lives are being destroyed because they're being led by their feelings. Don't despise the truth. When you despise the truth, it's like being locked in a grocery store and starving to death. All you need is there in the word of God and you're still starving? The answers for your life are in his word and you're still afraid? You're seeking what's in his hands. You're not going for the embrace. And today, God's arms are open wide. He says, I've got something better than just longevity and riches and honor. I've got a hug for you. I've got an embrace for you that will hold you for the rest, sustain you for the rest of your life. You'll never have to pursue riches and honor. You'll never have to chase down longevity. I'll give it to you because of the embrace. How many of you want to stand on your feet today and say, God, I want the embrace of wisdom. I, 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 I could care less what's in its hands. I just want, I want you, God. I'm, I'm not after your stuff. I want you, God. I'm not after what you can do. I want you, God. I want a relationship with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room today and you say, Rob, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I haven't given my life to God. As a matter of fact, Rob, I, if, if everything were to end tomorrow, my life were to end even today, I, I, I don't know where I would spend eternity. I just don't. If that's you, I wanna encourage you today to give your life to Jesus. Confess him as Lord. The Bible says if you'll open up your mouth and you'll confess him as Lord, you'll believe in him that he'll save you. He'll redeem you. He'll forgive you. And guess what? He doesn't just forgive you today. He'll keep on forgiving you. Some people are like, ah, this, when people raise their hand like that, it doesn't really make a difference. You know, nothing really changes. Oh, man, I was so encouraged this week. I, I saw Billy Graham's commitment card. I saw the, the, the card that Billy Graham filled out when he raised his hand in a service and he prayed that sinner's prayer. Oh, you, you tell me it, did, it doesn't work? It worked for the greatest evangelists of our generation, of, of our lifetimes. And so today, God can change your life supernaturally forever. Turn, turn you away from all of those wicked things and turn you into a light for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He can do that, and we believe that. So if that's you and you say, Rob, I need to give my life to Jesus today, I'm gonna count to three, and when I do, Throw your hand up in the air. One, two, three. Throw that hand up if that's you. I see you. Anybody else? I see you here. Anybody else? I see you back there. Anybody else? 
Awesome, let's, let's pray this prayer together with those who lifted their hands. Let's say this, dear Jesus, thank you that you love me, that you gave your life for me. I give you my life, take it all, have your way. Use me for your glory. I repent of my sins. I confess you as Lord. Thank you for saving me. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Come on, let's put our hands together and bless the Lord.